Hey guys, as coders and billers, we get it. Healthcare compliance can be a hassle, inconvenient, and a headache that never goes away. That's why they've developed EpiCompliance, an easy-to-use software that helps you stay up-to-date and on track with ever-changing requirements of healthcare compliance. This cloud-based software covers HIPAA, privacy and security, OSHA, and the ACA, OIG, Medicare, Waste, Fraud, and Abuse compliance requirements. It includes forms, policies, tasks, and mandated compliance training, all in one easy-to-use interface. Do you need to send and organize your business associate agreements to your clients? You can do that with EpiCompliance through their Business Associate Center. And most importantly, in our profession, EpiCompliance covers you with billing and coding for waste, fraud, and abuse compliance. Don't risk getting on the CMS, HHS, OIG list of excluded individuals and entities, which is a permanent record on the internet. Ready to stay up to date and compliant every month with EpiCompliance? You have to do it. Did I mention it's required by law? You might as well do it right with EpiCompliance. Right now, Life as a Coder podcast listeners can save 20% on their subscription by visiting epicompliance.com forward slash Ozark and using the discount code Ozark20. That's epicompliance.com forward slash O-Z-A-R-K and use the discount code Ozark20. That's O-Z-A-R-K-2-0. Welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series, brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, discussing your life as a medical coder, offering coding tips and advice for coding students and professionals. Join us every Wednesday. Hello, this is Jennifer McNamara with the Life as a Coder podcast. Welcome to the show. Our program is brought to you from your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, and our goal is, of course, to bring you timely industry topics in the field of health information management, as well as tips for work-life balance. If you're a first-time listener, we thank you for listening today. And if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We can be found on, of course, Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many others. We do have a disclaimer that our podcast is not to be taken as legal or professional advice. Our podcast is based on our years of experience in the coding and billing industry, and we want to share with you what we've learned and why we love this industry. We love to bring you insights into education for healthcare, some of the things happening in healthcare, some of the pitfalls that we, of course, fall into with billing and coding. And one of those today we're going to talk about is prior authorizations. Prior authorizations are probably one of the most important things that a clinical office, a physician practice, a facility uh, can keep their minds on because so much money is lost in healthcare when we think about not getting that prior approval from the insurance company. I can't even tell you how many denials, how many claims we have to write off because we didn't obtain the prior authorization to get those services, of course, pre-authorized. The insurance company wants us to let them know with certain procedures. They need to see records. They want to know the clinical indicators for these procedures uh, so they can, of course, forecast the cost that they're going to be paying out uh, for procedures. 
it can be a lengthy process, but with organization and management of this, having the right people in your in your uh, world that understand these things, and of course, proper training is important. Getting to know different payers. What payers do you regularly, uh, of course, use in your practice? What payers have certain requirements? Do you have a list of procedures that require authorization? Get one. Make a list as soon as possible. Now there are payers, of course, that will tell you, okay, it's not required, but you can do a predetermination. Then they'll say, of course, you know, here's a list of procedures uh, that do require authorization. And of course, I'm a big proponent of always over authorizing. Never, ever underestimate that. You don't know what could happen during that procedure. Time and time again, I've come across where especially in the orthopedic world, there have been times where we have authorized what the physician orders, right? He gets in there and he has to do something different or he has to add on another procedure that isn't medically necessary, right? He's in there, he's doing it, but oh, I'm not gonna just close the patient up and not take care of this problem. So then we run into the problem, okay, that procedure he performed, unfortunately, is something that they say, oh, you didn't authorize that, we're not gonna cover it. So we have to appeal, we have to let them know. It wasn't anticipated. Of course, sometimes we come across instances where it slips through the cracks. Our physician wants to go ahead and they want to do that procedure um, and they think it's an emergency. The insurance company doesn't see it that way. So there's always this back and forth. So we have to try to do a retro authorization. Not all insurance payers will accept retro authorizations. So just know the impact. Know what could happen if you don't take the proper steps uh, to ensure that. There's not the perfect situation. There's always gonna be those caveats, those things that happen. But anything I could do to really advise clinics, your, your clinical providers, your clinical staff that's providing these um, orders to the hospital, if you can advise your patient that we have to wait for authorization, I know sometimes they feel like their situation is, is important, their situation is emergent, and it might be, but give us that documentation. Provide that documentation in those records that we need to submit to the insurance to tell us why that is urgent. The facility is gonna be contacting us because they have to get services authorized as well. They're on the hook as well. So if we work for a physician office and we're of course ordering this service and it requires authorization, the hospital is gonna contact us. Their department is gonna contact us wanting to know if we obtained authorization because they need to know what is authorized so they can get paid as well. They're both, we're both on the hook here. We're both, of course, worried about reimbursement. There are different types of reimbursement too. You know, you may have to get a prior authorization for a procedure or even a medication. So you need to be aware of the implications and the guidelines, the requirements when it comes to prescription authorizations and of course, surgical authorizations. Have you heard? Now the CCS exam is available without restrictions. Now is a great time to jumpstart your coding career with one of the most popular certifications in the country. The majority of employers require a CCS credential, and at Ozark Coding Alliance, we're here to help you achieve this goal. Join our workshop this July for only $129 and earn five CEUs. You can register at ccscoder.com. There was a study done. And one study estimated on average, prior authorization requests consume about 20 hours a week by a medical practice. One hour of the doctor's time, nearly six hours of clerical time, plus 13 hours of nurse time. And of course, practices spend on average $68,274 per physician per year interacting with these health plans. 
that's about 23 billion and 31 billion annually. So what do you do when you have to submit an authorization? Well, you have to complete that prior authorization request form. A lot of them are all electronic and some of them paper, uh, but what needs to go on that? Well, a summary of the patient's diagnosis. They're gonna need to know the diagnosis, that ICD-10-CM code, and the date, of course, of the projected procedure. You're gonna have to attach those records. They're gonna wanna see that clinicals that they call it. Uh, they want to see diagnostic tests and imaging results. They want to see uh, what, of course, the severity of their condition is, any other conditions like their comorbidities or intolerance to other therapies. They may, of course, require that they try something first before they authorize the procedure, like an MRI or another test that they want you to see, okay, can they do NSAIDs? Can they do therapy first? They want to see their history. What have they previously tried? What is the response to that? What are their recent symptoms and, of course, the physician's opinion on their diagnosis and progression of that disease? What do they feel is the medical necessity? Why do they feel they need that right now? And just to make sure the patient is getting the safe treatment and it's medically necessary and appropriate, they want this information. They need to see, of course, how a patient is using that coverage and the treatments they've already received. This, of course, authorization helps prevent duplicate, right, and unnecessary testing and gives the patient access to the proper care for their condition. But I've been there, guys. I understand the lengthy time it takes sometimes for a prior authorization to go through. So is it taking too long for you? What do you think? Well, how can we, of course, streamline this process? Well, there should be a master list of procedures that require authorizations, like I mentioned. You need to document your denial reasons. If you're getting denials for authorizations, what are the reasons? And keep track of those so you can see for the future uh, what items need to be, of course, uh, worked on and streamline that communication. Uh, sign up for payer newsletters. Payer newsletters are great because they give you those updates. They tell you new things that require authorization, new LCD policies that are out there. Stay informed of those changing industry standards. Get organized. Now, you need to design those responsibilities for some staff members. That needs to be their responsibility. And then cross-train other people that can be there. Let's say that person's on vacation, that person's sick. You need somebody who knows how to do that in the case you have an emergent situation, you have to get that authorized. Keep them in a central location. Everyone should have access and know exactly where those authorizations are, keeping track of the dates, keeping track of the updates, um, any authorization numbers that need to go on the claim form, all of that information. You should, of course, have a reference to know who at the payer um, you're going to talk to, um, who at the payer you talked to when you did get the authorization. So if they say, okay, well, you know, it's denied, but we were told by this person, you know, keep track of all those names and dates. Have a follow-up plan. What are you going to do? How long are you going to wait before you follow up with that insurance policy, the insurance plan to see the status of that authorization? and be methodical about it. Work those authorizations, have that schedule in place. Um, you have this procedure at this date. How, um, when is that procedure plan? Is it a month out or is it two weeks out? Am I gonna call back in a few days to see the status? What am I gonna do? And education of your patients. We know how important it is that they be informed because they need to know when they can have that procedure. To them, it's important. Their health is very important to them. That's why they're there. They're there to see you because they value you as their healthcare provider to give them their uh, proper healthcare, the procedures they need, the therapies they need, and they wanna know what's going on. Be transparent. It's being informed, informed consent. That's what they need. They need to know what's happening. 
and you're going to be proactive, right? All of you that are listening today, you're going to be proactive. You're going to go back to your offices and you're going to tell them, I need to make sure we have these things in place. Understand the patient obligation too prior to the service. They need to be informed that this is what's going to happen. If we can't get it authorized, if you still want this procedure, collect up front. Always collect up front because you need to make sure that you cover your costs while you're waiting for, of course, that information. Get them to sign those financial agreements that they understand um, what's happening. Then if they uh, don't, if they understand that it may or may not be covered, get that ABN form, get that financial agreement in place. That they understand that if the insurance is not going to approve that service, that of course we're going to expect the patient to pay for it. That's why we wait for the authorization. If you go ahead and you bill the insurance without authorization, you're going to get denied. Now, always check the requirements. They do have those, of course, like I mentioned. Understand the codes that are required, the diagnosis required, the modifiers, all of the ins and outs of that. Understand your payer contract. Sometimes the contracts change or become out of date. We need to constantly be aware of that. And there are advantages to being, of course, tech savvy, right? You, of course, can call on the phone, but you could have those long wait times, right? Um, the transaction is not automatically documented in your electronic health record because it takes time for that. If you do email, secure email, sometimes you can actually email them, email them and that, of course, creates delays as well. Faxing creates delays. All of these things are methods you can use, but what is the most advantageous? Use those authorization tools online. Those authorization tools online, things like Optum, they have them. Uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield has them. So many payers have these authorization tools on their website. You can go on there and you can actually submit it online and you can get sometimes an immediate response, especially if it's an outpatient procedure. A lot of outpatient procedures don't require authorization for certain payers. So you can get an instant response. You can also get, of course, a way to upload records right there. You can, of course, streamline that process and get a faster response. You can also check your authorization status. That's a great way for you to, to learn that. And the payers are there to help. They want to help you. That's why they provided these tools for you. They've given you that information so you can be, of course, informed, up to date on what is happening. So that's, of course, in a nutshell, some of the basics on prior authorizations. There's a lot more that's involved, a lot more things that, of course, can help your practice streamline this. And believe it or not, there are, of course, companies out there that have provided tools to help streamline your prior authorization process. You don't have to do it on your own. I know some of you out there are all about paper. You like your, your process, the one you've developed, and it, it works for you. But what if there was a better way? What if there was something out there that could help you streamline your process? Well, guys, wait no further. We have in our show notes some great information on authparency. This is a tool for prior authorizations that is a great platform. It will decrease your patient barriers and delays to treatment. It's going to increase that uh, effectiveness that you have in your practice or your facility. It's one of the only services that is focused in the industry to integrate with your EHR or practice management system. So it's a great, great tool. Of course, we have listed there in the show notes uh, this great flyer, this great information on the key features of the platform. So please check it out and contact OncoSpark if you want more information. 
Well, I'm sure you've been hearing the buzz. A lot of our listeners have been getting emails and messages about our upcoming 2022 conferences. We are so excited to be partnering with some great sponsors in 2022, so stay tuned. But coming up next in February 2022, our first specialty event of the year is OBGYN Coding Summit. We're going to have some great speakers, some great topics. OBGYN coding has been something that, of course, is a coding area a lot of people have questions about, and there's not a lot of conferences, not a lot of high-quality education out there that is affordable, right? And that's what we're all about, making it affordable, make it, making it accessible. And so during the pandemic, of course, we haven't been able to get to these live conferences. So at Ozark Coding Alliance, our goal is to bring you those timely industry topics in a format that is, of course, easy to get to, easy to afford, and you get your CEUs, you get that quality education. We're going to talk about ICD-10-CM guidelines for female and pregnancy, one of the big areas, right? Evaluation and management. We have not stopped, guys. We're going to keep giving you those updates per specialty. So we have Betty Hovey going to be coming, joining us for that, talking about E&M for female and maternity. We're going to talk about denials and appeals. We have to understand that process, don't we? And compliance policies and procedures. We're going to have Shannon DeConda of NAMIS. We're going to be such a, have such a great time learning from these ladies. Uh, we're going to talk about female surgery coding, and of course, my girl, Kimberly Jolivet Williams, always never disappoints. She is my anesthesia guru. She's going to talk to us about anesthesia for female surgery and maternity care. It's very specialized and very interesting, guys, to learn more about this. We hope you can join us, and of course, all the presenters are always there live at the end of the day to answer your questions. We're going to have live giveaways, great sponsors, so you're not going to want to miss this event. We also have coming for you, we haven't stopped with just the OBGYN, we have more conferences coming at you in 2022. So of course, uh, in April, we have brought back our, of course, so popular cardiovascular summit. Uh, Terry Fletcher, uh, of course, of Terry Fletcher Consulting has, of course, agreed to come back and teach us. We have special guests, of course, Betty Hovey joining us as well this time. She's going to be talking to us on E&M and ICD-10, so of course, where she lives, her, of course, the best thing I can think of is listening to Betty talk about E&M coding. It's my favorite thing. If you haven't checked out our previous episodes where she talks about E&M coding, you're not going to want to miss that. She is, of course, such a great person and a great wealth of knowledge. Of course, we have Terry Fletcher, who is Miss Cardiology, in my opinion. She, of course, is the cardiology guru. So she's going to talk about non-invasive and diagnostic coding, cath lab and PCI, pacemakers, endovascular repairs, we're going to talk about collection and appeals and more. So much more coming at you. We're going to have some great topics. And of course, CEUs offered as well. Uh, you're going to want to sign up before October 1st so you can get our free cardiology reference card. Um, and of course, everyone gets Starbucks. So don't forget to join us, of course, and pre-register before October 1st. Up next, we have the Pediatric Coding Summit in May. It's going to be a great event. We love, love, love talking about pediatrics. There's so much to know. There's immunizations. There's complex surgeries. There's evaluation management. There's ICD-10, guys. There's so much to know. And, of course, compliance. We're going to have all of that. We have, of course, my favorite. I fangirl every time I think about Rhonda Bocholes. I've heard her speak so much on compliance. And we have her for our Pediatric Summit in May. So don't delay get out there and visit our website and learn more about uh, these conferences. We're going to put the links in our show notes so you can contact us on Eventbrite and learn more about our upcoming conferences. So, of course, this leads us to the end of our show today, guys. It's been a pleasure, really great pleasure to be with you and educate you on prior authorizations. 
It's always our goal to inspire and educate. And as I always say, knowledge is power. Don't give up on coding. Keep learning and keep growing. This is Jennifer McNamara with Life as a Coder podcast. We want to thank our sponsors, Ozark Coding Alliance, and our great podcast producer, Gabriel Fast, for always making this sound so great. Thank you, Highland Productions. Until next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Life as a Coder podcast series, brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. It helps us share the show with other coders, students, and professionals just like you. Come back every Wednesday for a new episode. We'll catch you then. Project Resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Be sure to reference this podcast when you place your order.